0: Now, our reading concerns Joseph. Joseph was one of the sons of Jacob. And Joseph did very well in God's plan. And I want you to, if you will, to repeat or to say or to declaim with me this phrase. And you can do it with this punch the air. The boy done well. The boy done well. Here we go. Now, Joseph had been taken down into Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, brought him from the Ishmaelites, who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household, and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So he left in Joseph's care everything he had. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Our second reading is from the letter of Paul to the Colossians, chapter 3 beginning at verse 18, can be found on page 1184. Rules for Christian households. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Devote yourselves to prayer being watchful and thankful. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
2: Good morning, everybody. I'm going to start with a story. In 2004, an American airline pilot, in his pre-flight announcement, asked all the Christians on board the flight to raise their hands. He then suggested to all the other passengers on board the flight to go and speak to those passengers about their Christian faith. And he also said that he'd be happy to field any questions people had about Christianity. Understandably, it freaked most people out on board the plane. Just imagine the pilot announcing, asking you if you're ready to meet with Jesus. Now, it's a very zealous thing to do of this pilot, but has the pilot got the right idea uh, about work? Is uh, this the primary thing that we should see work for, an opportunity to share our faith? It's an interesting question, and we're going to think about it this morning as we work through. Walt Disney said, um, do what you do so well that when they watch it, they'll want to see it again and again and bring their friends? Is there something in what Walt Disney's saying that we should apply to our work, uh, his kind of work ethic? That is, that we're to work really hard because it will reward us, and it will bring us repeat business. Is there something in that that we need to think about? Well, over the next few weeks, we're thinking about whole life discipleship. What does the 24-7 Christian look like? And this morning, we're thinking about work, uh, and uh, uh, i 've got two headings for us this morning. The first is this: Why work matters to God, Why work matters to God, and secondly, why God matters to excuse me, why God matters to work. And I think this is big picture stuff it 's kind of worldview forming thinking for us. And the first thing that I want us to see comes right at the beginning of the Bible. If you would look at page four with me, Genesis chapter one and verse one, and we 're going to see right from the outset that God works, that God is a worker. We read in Genesis 1, verse 1, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And in verse 3 we read, And God said, Let there be light. God spoke into existence the creation. He brings order out of chaos. He creates out of nothing, and he rules his word, uh, He rules his world by his powerful words. He blesses and separates and creates all things. And if you turn over the page uh, to page four, uh, to page four, we see there uh, down at verse twenty six that at the pinnacle of God's creation, he makes humanity. Verse twenty six: Then God said, "Let us." A kind of. Plurality of who God is. There's, there's, uh, God is plural. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, and rule over everything. So that's God's plan. We're to be relational like God. We're to have relationships with one another. And we're to rule the creation under God. That's what it means to be like God. And so ruling and subduing the creation actually mirrors what God is doing and what God's done in creation. We're to bring chaos uh, into order as well. Have a look uh, at the bottom of page 4, on the right-hand side, chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man... And put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. That is, we're to imitate God. We're to work. It's a good thing. It's a good gift from God. It's a pattern shown to us by God. Before the fall of humanity, work was there. In John chapter 5, Jesus says this, My Father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. So we want to say that God is part uh, work is part of God's original design for humanity. Therefore, all work matters to God. All work matters to God. Now you might be thinking, "Hang on, there are some exceptions. What about hitmen? Um, what about the porn industry?" Yeah, obviously th- there are exceptions uh, to work, but broadly speaking, work uh, is uh, uh, part of God's plan, and it all matters to God. Now. During the time of the Reformation of the, uh, uh, of the church back in the 16th century, Christians were divided in many ways, good and bad. And the medieval church at that time dominated society, just dominated. And it created Christian culture. That's what it did. And there was another kind of wing, another form in the Reformation, a kind of radical group called the Anabaptists. And they were saying, look, have nothing at all to do with society out there is bad it's satan's world don't have anything to do with it so they're saying look don't even vote don't um, don't serve in the military don't do anything like that so on the one hand we've got this kind of triumphalistic approach dominating society and on the other hand uh, we've got this withdrawal approach just stay out of society don't engage in it at all and interestingly both sides are saying the same thing they're both saying this have nothing to do with work out there. Uh, uh, Only work inside the church really counts. And along came the reformers, and particularly a guy called Martin Luther and others. But Luther said this, and he spoke loudly. He said, look, there's another way. There's a middle way to think about this. We need to tear down this attitude that just says secular work doesn't matter, and only spiritual work does count. And his big point was this. Every single Christian is doing God's work and because Christians are doing God's work then of course our work matters to God and Luther says this he says there's been a fiction by which the pope bishops priests and monks are called the spiritual uh, estate princes lords artisans and peasants are the temporal estate this is an artful lie and a hypocritical invention but let no one be made afraid by it. And for that reason, that all Christians are truly of the spiritual estate. There's no difference among them. Thus, all are consecrated as bishops, sorry, as priests by baptism. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. He quotes that from 1 Peter two nine. We'll get that right. Not priests. Um, sorry, not, not bishops, priests. So I wonder if you catch what Luther's saying here. What Luther's saying is this. Look. All work matters to God. It's not just work out there um, uh, in here in the church that counts. All work matters. And Christians are involved in God's work. Therefore, there's no difference. And Luther builds this argument from the Psalms, particularly the latter Psalms, Psalm 145 and 147. And he's reflecting really on who God is, that God's our creator. Not only that, but he sustains the creation of that he 's made he feeds us, he feeds every living thing he feeds and loves and provides and cares for all that he 's made and I think this speaks against kind of modern thinking that some people today think that God is like a divine watchmaker that he just kind of made everything, wound it up, and then just let it go to its own devices it 's not like that at all that 's not the God that we see coming across in the Bible. God is intimately involved with the creation that he's made. And Luther draws a lot of light uh, on this particular passage in Psalm 147. I wonder if you turn there with me, page 633. Let's just look at this together. 633. Psalm 147 and verse 13. Let me just read this. For he, that's God, strengthens the bars of your gates and blesses your people within you. He grants peace to your borders and satisfies you with the finest of wheat. And Luther asks this question, well then, how does God strengthen the bars of your gates? And he concludes, through your work. That's how he does it. He does it through work. He says, your work is like masks of God, behind which God remains concealed And can do all things. So do you get that? What Luther's saying is this. When the farmer grows it, when the baker bakes it, when the delivery driver makes his delivery, when the greengrocer sells you the produce, that's proof that God's loving you. That's proof that God loves you. It's an amazing perception about work, isn't it? Our work are the masks of God. It's God loving us in disguise. It's incredible. So what makes the bars of your gates secure? Well, it's really simple. It's when you're a good neighbour. It's when you're a good neighbour. It's when you get involved in society. It's when you take the time to read people's manifestos and vote well. That's God making the city secure, actually. So as God uses the architects among us and the council planning officers and the politicians who pass good laws, actually, that's God making our city a safer place. It's an incredible plan. How does God grant peace at our borders? Well, border patrol. Good, honest police officers and lawyers. That's God loving us. And how does God satisfy us with finest wheat? Well, faithful farming. Um, Purchases who source Tesco's finest. And Sainsbury's Taste the Difference range. Uh, It's through Mary Berry's cookbooks. It's amazing. A great plan. Masks of God in operation. Uh, And God delights with us cooperating with him in his work of sustaining the creation. Um, a little while ago, we did some work in the garden at Marmion Roads. It was a mammoth task. I think we shifted about six tons of soil from the back garden. And as you might know, there's no rear entrance to the house, so everything had to come through the house. It was a real labor-intensive uh, job. And I delighted to have my son Tyler helping me out um, with this task. But sometimes it was a bit more of a hindrance than a help with him uh, there. So um, we were kind of digging out this soil and then loading it into these rubble sacks. Um, And I think when he was shoveling the ground, I'd I'd hold the sack open and I'd have loads of this mud going into my socks and shoes as he was doing this. Uh, And then when I was shoveling, mud into the bag, somehow the bag would just kind of fall open and I'd still get covered in mud at the same time. So it was slightly more of a hindrance than a help, but I really enjoyed having him help me. And do you know what? It's like that for God. God doesn't have to use us to sustain his creation, but he does. He chooses to use us like that. That's God's plan for sustaining the world. Uh, He chooses to use us. He could do it without us. So let's ask the question, does your work Matter to God. Absolutely. God's created you for work. No work is menial. Think of Jesus. He was a carpenter. No job should be seen to be below us. And the Bible doesn't say that work has to be paid well to be significant. Or even paid at all. All work matters to God. All work has meaning and dignity. And that's why work matters to God. Secondly, why God matters to work. Well, the Bible speaks about the good news of Jesus. Uh, when Jesus came, he brought in his kingdom, right? Uh, he came to repair a broken world. We know the story. Genesis 3 happens, uh, and the world's spoiled by sin and by death. And Jesus' kingdom has a healing power. And Jesus' kingdom has come. It came when Jesus came that first time. It's here, and it's already here, but it's also not yet. So we are a holy nation, a royal priesthood, not a royal bishophood, um, and uh, we're to be God's hands and feet in his world. That's his plan. That's his plan for us. So how does being a Christian affect my work? Well, I mean, it has to affect our work, doesn't it? When we give our life wholly to God, it doesn't mean that we can keep work in a box. We give everything over to God. Uh, Nothing is out of bounds for him. Now I think that if we have a wrong theology, if I can put it like that, or a wrong understanding of what work is, then we're just going to see work as a means to an end. That is, another day, another dollar. Work doesn't become about the glory of God, but it becomes all about me. Uh, It becomes all about me. It becomes about me working so I can get the beer money to have a good time at the weekend. Or it becomes a cash cow so that I can save money and have a good retirement fund or it can be to give the kids a better life. So if work is a means to an end, then I think we're missing out. I think the Bible would say that we're missing out because we're just using our work for ourselves. We're uh, getting out of it uh, what we can for us. It's a very selfish attitude towards work. So work's not to be a means to an end. We're not to be bent inwards on ourselves and think work's all about me. Secondly, I think Work can be an end in and of itself for a lot of people. Work can become an ultimate thing, an idol that we strive towards. It can be the thing that we look to for our life to have meaning, purpose, significance and importance. It can become the thing that you'll sacrifice anything for, relationships. Anything can be sacrificed for it. So when your performance at work dominates, when that drives you, when success's work even determines your state of mind, your happiness, well then it might be the case that works become an idol for you. Many things can become an idol. Uh, I'm not going to dwell on that now. Um, but I just want us to have a little look at Colossians chapter 3. So if you would, uh, turn to Colossians chapter 3 with me, page 1184, that reading that we had read for us at the start. And I want to draw out one thing, a helpful corrective uh, for our thinking about work and I think it helps to bat against both triumphalism in uh, work uh, and withdrawal as there in uh, Colossians 3 verse 23 whatever you do whatever your job whatever you're doing work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for men Well, why does God matter to your work? Well, it's because God is your boss. He's the boss. Every good gift comes from him. He gives us life and breath. He gives us himself. He gives us his son. He gives us his spirit. He gives his son born of a virgin to suffer death upon the cross to demonstrate his love and his care and his commitment to his creatures. That's that's the kind of boss we have. A servant boss, a boss who serves us, a boss who serves us by dying for us. And it's him that we work for. It's amazing. So if you're, if you're baking a cake or building a website, is there a Christian way to do it? Well, no. You're either going to make a good cake and it's going to be tasty, um, or you're going to make a bad cake and no one's going to want to eat it. Uh, you're either going to make a good website and people, are, you know, people can use it well, um, or you're going to make a bad website. But the point's this, we're to do our best because God's our boss. It's him we're working for. But whether you're a uh, a butcher, a baker, or a candlestick maker, there is a Christian way to do our work. There is a Christian way of treating our customers who come into our shops. There's a Christian way about thinking about our timekeeping and our attitude towards our timekeeping and our boss. There's a healthy way to use our tongue. Uh, Proverbs 11.1 one says this, The Lord detests dishonest scales, but accurate weights find favor with him. There's a Christian way of taking your daily takings, of counting money. There's a right way to handle your expenses, and there's a wrong way to fill in your self-assessment tax returns. But what does this look like for the pilot that we started with at the beginning? What does it look like for him? Well, please land the plane well. First and foremost, do that for us. Land the plane well. So the point is this. In your work, excel at what you do. You've been created for work. We have to have a good attitude to work. We are to be the best that we can possibly be at whatever it is that we do. And remember who we're working for. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. I wonder if that could be our motto verse. Uh, I know Mike's going to bring us a a, a text for next week. But why don't we write WFTL throughout our diary. Work for the Lord. That could be a great thing, a great motto verse for 2017. Just scribble that throughout your diary. uh, WFTL. Now, the non-Christian amongst you will be thinking, well, how does this apply to me? Uh, What's this saying to me? Well, God can use your results from your work for his glory. He can make the city secure despite your help. He can use what you're doing for himself. But actually, he wants to be in it with you. He wants to work with you along the way. That's God's plan. Uh, If that's you and you want to think more about uh, work and the Christian faith, please do come and speak to me uh, afterwards. Why don't I pray for us as we finish? Lord, we do thank you so much that every good gift is from you. We thank you for the gift of work. Thank you for the work of our hands. Please help us not to be idle, but to be those who work for your glory and for your kingdom. We praise you that you have redeemed work. Thank you that you call us uh, to be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. Please help us to live for the glory of your name, now and forever. Amen.